1: Hi, I'm Jay. I'm editor and
2: founder of the Eagles Beaker Palace fan site, by fans for fans. You can get us on Twitter and Instagram at the Eagles Beaker. I'm also producer and co-host of a local community radio show called the Meridian Sports Show. You can get us at the Meridian SS on Twitter and Instagram.
3: Hi guys, I'm Jim. I'm the Leicester City fan for the uh, EPL Roundtable. You can find me on Twitter at Jim88.
4: Hi guys, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan, and you can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits.
3: All right, thanks
1: so much for joining us today, guys. Obviously, the big news of the week is that there's been another managerial change in North London with Unai Emery being let go from Arsenal. Obviously, Pochettino happening before him, but we've talked about that plenty. Now on to this one. Uh, Why do you guys think that Unai Emery and Arsenal didn't work out?
2: Good question to start with, Kev. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, I think, because I I was a big fan of Emery before he came to Arsenal. I, I thought... He'd actually sort sort Arsenal out. Um, I I think there's a bit of a legacy or a kind of a you know, a, a squad of players that have been left behind by Arsene Fenger that needed to be sorted out. And to be honest, I, I kind of thought that he'd get a bit more time. I know I know we're all in in the now and you know the the immediacy of results and and that kind of thing needs to be uh you know it's very high profile these days, and it doesn't seem like anybody gets any kind of time anymore. Um, I know Dan will probably share his views uh, very shortly about you know being an Arsenal fan, but I, I don't know. I, I kind of uh, similar to the to the pot stacking is I, uh, you know, not a knee-jerk reaction because it has been over a, a period of time. But you know, looking back at Spurs a little bit, and you know, being in Champions League final, which nobody expected them to last year. Uh, and not far into the new season straight after, he's, he's, he's already gone, which seems crazy. Emery is a little bit different. I, I, I do wonder whether there's bigger problems at Arsenal, similar to United, in that you know they've never really been able to replace Alex Ferguson after his long tenure at the club. And, uh, and I always wonder whether Wenger, after Wenger going and, and his long stint in charge, could end up being a bit of a problem for Arsenal in that, you know, who do they get in and, and, and how are they going to change that side up? I think there's a lot of dead wood in that squad. You know, there's there's, there's a few problems in terms of p- personnel and players. And I thought Emery might get at least January and, and, and next summer uh, to actually do what he needs to do. I, whether I feel sorry for him is probably probably not the case, but um, I, 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 I expect him to be given a bit more time um, at Arsenal. But like I say, you know, people, you know, managers and don't don't get that time anymore in, in in football the current age and it's you know it's a real shame I mean look at someone who manages in the Premier League I, you know, I could point towards Palace in a way that you know we've got oh, obviously different expectations to the top sides but you know Roy Hodgson's come in and given us stability which is which has been brilliant for us you know a, a good amount of stability after after you know a few managers kind of uh, coming and going in, in quick succession um, it, it it does pay sometimes in in a way but obviously you know. We're we at a different level to the likes of Arsenal and Spurs, so it's a, it's a difficult one. Um, I, I would like to see Emery given at least next summer. Um, you know, we're not talking about Arsenal getting relegated; they're still on the fringe of the top top four this season. Even though you know there's a, there's a couple of teams in there which are probably light years ahead of Arsenal. But yeah, it's uh, it's not knee-jerk, but I, I think it's probably a little bit disappointing that he's gone already. But yeah, the pressure's been there for all to see.
3: Yeah, it certainly has, and it's obviously taken its toll on him. But I think mm-hmm. the, the the problems are still the same problems that they had under Arsene Wenger. I think the defence is still absolutely woeful. Um, there's there's very little by way of kind of consistency. Um, you know, you never really know which Arsenal team are going to turn up. They can be brilliant on occasion, but more often than not, they're undone by absolutely woeful defending, and they really didn't address that. In the summer now, Emery might not be the only one uh, responsible for transfers. That tends to be the way it is now at, at big clubs. Um, it's kind of transferred by committee. But losing Laurent Koscielny in the summer—granted, he's a little bit injury-prone—but he still, you know, he still moved on. Per Mertesacker moved into a coaching role, and they replaced them with David Luiz, who is. Not the most consistent of defenders, um, and it's kind of a cut price option. They didn't go out and sign a big name centre back, um, obviously, try to shore up the the full back positions as well. But they kind of bought Pepe in for 70 odd million pounds and didn't fix the gaping holes at the centre back. Which, in this day and age where teams more and more teams are trying to play on the front foot, um, teams like Norwich, you know, only know one way to play, and that's aggression. Um, and we saw that today against Arsenal, and they got plenty of success, and that is still going to be a problem for Arsenal until they fix the defensive line. Now, you can say that you can't fix that in one transfer window, but Emery had been there long enough to have some time to address it, and it wasn't getting any better. So, in the same way that you know, if you don't fix that problem, it's going to keep biting you. And it, it just ended up being too much for him. Um The attack wasn't clicking often enough to make up for the shortcomings at the back, but the next manager coming in, whoever that is, is going to have the same issues unless they can go out in January and get some players in, but that's notoriously difficult. Um, We all know how difficult it is to find value in the, the January transfer market, especially when people know that you're desperate Um, Because they'll just, you know, every every centre back. It was a bit like when Leicester went out with the 80 million Harry Maguire money in the summer. Suddenly Nathan Ackie became a 60 million pound defender in Bournemouth's eyes. Um, James Tarkovsky was 50 million or whatever we were quoted from Burnley. Everyone jacks their prices up because they know what you're trying to do and they know the issue that you have. So. For them, it's going to have to be an obscene offer to consider selling and Arsenal are going to continue to have that problem. But just the lack of foresight to address that. We all knew the defence was a problem and by not fixing it, you know, he's had to fall on his sword because the results just weren't good enough and he wasn't getting enough out of the attack. Um, You know, let alone the fact that their highest paid player in Meza Ozil barely kicked a ball this year. Uh, there just seemed so many kind of problems mounting up that it almost seemed insurmountable at, at the time that he you know was given his marching orders
4: yeah so I'll just go across my points and then get to um since Jason be one who is mostly disagreeing with the um, firing I'll just address what he uh, his the points he brought up so just general issues with why it didn't work uh, I never really thought it' was the right appointment it was a defensive coach with an offensive r- roster just kind of like we needed someone who we well, did not have a personnel to be in an uniamory team uh i think we needed someone who was gonna win games 5-4 essentially just because of the personnel we had um, and the lack of funds to kind of fix that uh in in one transfer window um he very much lost the dressing room um he could not clearly uh seem to get his ideas across uh then there's a whole idea of like what were his ideas no one really knows because in a year and a half we played about 600 different systems um he would change formations from game to game which is fine but there was no real underlying philosophy behind it um or it did not appear to be um based off of watching him for uh over a year and a half or almost a year and a half and um just seeing it from game to game and no one no one in the dressing room appeared to know what he was trying to do either that seemed to be a massive massive problem that like lots of reports have been coming out about that for a long time um then he was really bad at man management from from the sounds of it um, he had he misused Aaron Ramsey last season he was like okay we're going to play him in this specific way no we're not okay he he's not actually a player i thought he was so we're going to drop him oh no we're doing badly let's bring him back um, after not offering him a new contract uh, that was a mess he did the same thing with ozil well i don't like you i'm going to drop you and banish you from the squad oh no things are going badly come back but you can only rule as rule with an iron fist if you keep that iron fist um he very much did not he multiple times he would banish someone and bring him back when things were going poorly um uh, and then from a more macro view just the way he played did not not and when i say the way he played i do not mean like arsenal needs beautiful football some people may think that i do not as long as it's effective, I don't care. If Allegri comes in and plays horribly boring football that is effective, that's fine. That's I do not need the beautiful game every single from every single coach. More, he just did not set up the way to get the points necessary of the club's ambitions. Uh, he very much played us like a mid-table team, which, like, I don't want to sound arrogant as like you know, big six. Ooh, but ultimately we have a very high wage bill. We are one of the more financial rich clubs in the country we should be aiming for top four and the way he lined us up every week was never going to get it um the way the passivity and conservatism in his approach to games was never going to work uh he only made us worse if you look at the underlying numbers uh even the points total now this season we only need to look at the underlying numbers but last season while our points total increased from the season prior um the underlying numbers got significantly worse like we were not the uh, fifth place team in the country last season. Um, we were much worse. Uh, we did not not only did not improve under Wenger uh, after Wenger left. Um, we got significantly worse, and we were getting even worse this season. Um, there was really there were really no positives um, to Emory's reign, sadly, outside of maybe uh, a couple of young players coming through, uh, such as Matteo Guendouzi, um, maybe Saka and Gabriel Martinelli if they become things. Um, but outside of that, there are very few positives to take. And then I guess to Jay for giving Em Emer- the idea of giving Emery more time. What is the end game you see with Emery? Like, what what do you see him building towards? Well,
2: I mean, to me, it just seems like you know you look at Spurs and they've they sacked Poch and brought in Mourinho straight away. It, it, it seems a bit harsh to perhaps get rid of Emery and not have a have a plan. You know, I'm I'm not saying there isn't a plan, but it's it's clearly not the case. They've sacked Emery. Uh, and you know put given freddie Lundberg the job for for the short term and uh, and they're going from there so obviously there was there, there's bigger problems behind the scenes which you know you've you've clearly mentioned there but you know from, a, from you know we're talking from different levels here you know as as a palace fan compared to an Arsenal fan the expectations are, are are so very different and i and i do get the reasons behind Emery being a sack, but, you know, this is an experienced manager. You know, this is an experienced manager across, across Europe, you know. So he has handled, you know, big egos and big players and uh, and, and and big teams and, and been successful with them uh, over a period of time. So, you know, it's it, it's odd that it's not kind of worked out at Arsenal, which kind of led me to suggest that, you know, there are, there's bigger problems at Arsenal than, uh, you know, it seems to be the case at United, you know, after having... A manager in place for such a long time over such a long period of time that um you know it's harder for somebody to come in and uh you know change the kind of ethos of a a club that's been you know been in that kind of uh mode for such a long time but um yeah it's again it's looking from the outside in really rather than you know from the inside out because it's you know just what what we see you know i don't pay a a huge amount of attention to arsenal I, i follow all the premier league sides but it's uh yeah, I, it just seems uh, a bit of an odd one to me.
4: Sorry. I was going to say I would not agree with the assessment that like, um, he's ma- like, he managed big egos before because that was a massive problem with him at PSG as well. Um, the, literally the same exact problems came up with uh, a lot of play- Like One specific incident was Hatham Ben Arfa would repeatedly do um, imitations of his accent and apparently the same exact thing happened at Arsenal. Um, and he had issues with Neymar, which, granted, Neymar is a unique case. But he it was beyond just Neymar. It was Neymar, Tiago Silva, Hakim Benarfa, a couple others where he struggled to deal with egos. Um he never really had those type, those top level players at Sevilla. Um and I'd argue the PSG job is really the only top top level job he had and I'd argue he failed there. I know he won the league, but it's League one and PSG. Uh he didn't win the league one of the seasons, which is pretty wild for PSG. Uh and he never really he, there his whole the reason he was brought in was to in, Improve them in the Champions League, and he failed to do that. Um, failed to get them past the round of 16. So that's just a mis dis- Jay, disagreement and see it a way where we can see differently.
1: Jay, just to clarify, is why you view this different than the Pochettino thing? Is that with sacking Pochettino and bringing in Mourinho, saying Pochettino can't do this job anymore, but we believe Mourinho can, as opposed to Arsenal with Emery, just saying just not you, as opposed to like having that that uh, successor lined up.
2: Yeah, definitely. It just—it just seems an odd way of doing things. But if it's that desperate at Arsenal to actually get rid of him and 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 be anybody, just not him, it, it seems. Yeah, it seems, it suggests there's bigger problems at Arsenal than there are. Just uh, you know, just, just what's gone on from the, from the outside looking in.
1: Yeah, gotcha. All right. Well, there's also been uh, upheaval at Watford. They've made their second managerial change of the season, the fastest the club has gone through two managers in a season. And I was curious to get your guys' thoughts on whether or not this is financially based. So obviously they're the bottom of the table. They obviously think that they shouldn't be. Um, But with the rewards growing ever higher, the punishments growing ever harsher, do you think we'll see an increase in the speed that managers are let go as teams scramble for the European places and to avoid relegation?
2: personally i think it's got it's just gonna get worse isn't it you know that with the way you know mentioned earlier how how quickly people want results and want teams to do better we see it every every weekend every time there's a game you know across social media you know if the the fans are wanting the club to do you know what, you know do everything they can to be pushing as far as, as 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 possible um and that's within games that's during a game and and, and after games you see the reaction and stuff and your know, clubs are seeing seem to be very similar in that respect and Watford are a, a bit of an odd case aren't they and, and, and no offense to Watford fans they're probably fell out of it as well to be quite honest and I wouldn't surprise you if they brought uh, Javier Garcia back <laughs> after um uh, you know, bringing KK <laughs> K- Flores back in—it it just Silver seems might really be available soon. <laughs> well. Exactly, yeah. You know, later on in the season, that could well be the case. You know, going full circle, it—it it, it just seems an odd way to to be running a club. It, it was an odd appointment to bring the guy back that had already sucked before as well. So, it's going to be intriguing to see what who they get, who they're going to bring in uh, from this point, whether they've already pinpointed somebody or not. I don't know, but um, yeah, I, I mean. There's, it seems uh like I said it seems a funny way to run a club um i I'm not one to say you know pilots are running in any better way at all, but it just seems uh you know very very short sighted you know to go through managers as quickly as that um and it obviously hasn't worked you know we're bringing bringing this guy back in, but um again, whether there's bigger problems are they are they thinking that they can do better than they perhaps uh, Potentially should uh, you know could be, but they they had a good season last year, you know they got to the cup final and uh, and, and finished well in the league, um, something to build on and um, perhaps have a harsh again getting rid of uh, uh, Gracia at the start of the season. But uh, yeah, going to watch that one with interest because uh, you know it's a club that's similar size to Palace and uh, uh, you know the expectation level is is probably probably almost on par with with what some Palace fans are and. Yeah, you know, i think clubs like us you know want, want your clubs to do well but obviously not threaten that with um, you know pu- push yourself too far that puts you into financial situation which you can't get back from and you know we know that all too well
3: yeah Watford are a team that have kind of not prided themselves but they've regularly chopped and changed since they got promoted um back into the premier league and i think it's just that, as Jay said, they had a good season last year, although I think the perception was that the style wasn't necessarily there and therefore it was something that it could do better. Um, and obviously they're, an, uh, they're an, an ambitious ownership group who feel that Watford should be pushing on um, into the top half of the league. But bar a few teams, every team thinks like that in the Premier League now. So there's always going to be some teams that get edged out. Not everyone can finish in the top 10, but I think, um, especially because of the riches that are in the Premier League now, just by getting promoted, you're probably in one of the 30 ish richest clubs, you know, in terms of disposable income season to season. Um, There aren't many teams outside of England that can compete, you know, transfer fees and wages um, compared to most Premier League teams. And it just seems like they were chopping and changing because they thought each time they'd improve. Um, and they were like, OK, so Javi Grassi got us to 11th in the league, I think it was, in a cup final. So if we bring Fl- uh, Sanchez Flores back. But again, that seems a regressive option because the guy has already been and gone. Like You know what he's about Um, So going back to that, well, what's changed since he left the previous time? Um, Unless they feel the squad was so underperforming, which to finish 11th and underperform by that much seems a little bit, I don't know, I'm sceptical of that being the option. it's whether or not they even thought about a coach outside of their little black book, which they're probably going to do now, I guess. I know they've been linked to Chris hutton today uh, quite a lot. And as far as I'm aware, he's not recently had a spell under the Pozzo family. So um, maybe it'll be a fresh face in the dugout in the next Ooh. couple of days. But yeah, so we'll see. But it just, yeah, it just seems Watford were uh, the epitome of like the chopping and changing. and. There is something to be said for consistency, and if you don't allow people to build, one of the first things that managers want is to implement their own systems, most of the time their own players, you know, um, and their own style on the team. That is a massive issue if you're only getting a rolling year-to-year contract, because you can't, Or essentially, a year to year contract in the case of Watford, because you know that you're out the door. And that must be disheartening for managers, but also for players, because if things don't go well, what's the incentive to keep trying to a point? You know, I'm not saying they actively try and get managers sacked, but it must be very easy for heads to go down if you know that the ownership above you you know are only a few games away from sacking the manager that's not doing particularly well you know you're still being paid and then you're going to get a new boss that you might like a bit more or get on with and that's proved to be the case he's lasted 12 games and you know that and they are in desperate trouble don't get me wrong in a league that's so heavily condensed in that kind of bottom two thirds to be that far adrift at this point is really really worrying Um, So they probably did have to make a change because similar to what we've said about Emery, you know, doing kind of passive damage just by being there is probably the case now um, by the sounds of it. But at at the same time, I think it's the long term lack of planning um, that's just kind of come home to roost. But. Whoever comes in has got a big, big job on now because they haven't got a huge amount to call on. You know, I know Troy Deeney was on the bench yesterday and the people were a little bit surprised he didn't get a run out when they were losing. Um, You know, or or certainly as an option to come on and potentially hold the ball up and help them protect what was a 1-0 lead for the first hour. Um, And they haven't got a huge amount of resources. It's not like they're waiting for big players to come back off off the injury bench so whoever comes in has got a really really big task on their hands and um, whether it be Hewton or Paul Clement I think is another name that's been linked today so we'll just have to see but yeah as, as we've joked about they, they only seem to appoint a very small pool of managers so if Marco Silva gets the sack uh, after the Everton result he could walk straight back into another job where he's very very familiar.
4: Yeah, I think Watford are a unique case, but generally speaking I do think the um monetization of the Premier League uh, does I think it already has actually um kind of shortened the lifespan of managers. Um, I'm not sure how much more it'll go because there's only so again Watford are a really really unique or situ- er, situation. But generally speaking, I'm not sure how much like more we will like how much the time will get shortened more. Um, but I think it already has shortened the lifespan of managers in general. Um, as far as Watford specifically, yeah, this is just kind of what they do, um, and they've generally had a pretty good kind of touch for when to fire a manager and hire someone else. But hiring Kike Sanchez Flores again was always a weird one. Uh, I never, never really got that, and it it hasn't gone well, um, to say the least. It went pretty poorly, so. Yeah, I I don't know. It's a very I think it's a very high risk kind of approach because you it just makes it kind of just makes you make a lot of decisions and you have to continually get those decisions correct. Um, and you know eventually you'll get a decision wrong and that could really really screw you as it might be screwing a lot for this season. Um, so yeah, I think it it may also put a cap on your ceiling um, if you have such little patience with managers um, just because. As much as I wanted, I did not want to give my manager any more time to build. Giving some amount of time to build is important. Um, if you see if you see some positive signs, fighting through those bad times is important to really really show that that upside or get you to that upside. Um, so I think it does limit their upside at times, and uh, it is also quite risky of an approach for reasons like this. If you get a decision wrong, it really could cost you literally millions of dollars um so Watford do Watford and they've done it pretty well at this point but this may be this may be the time where they let themselves down
1: yeah seven of 30 points under Javi Gracia or uh, sorry under Kike Sanchez Flores although he did deliver one win unlike Javi Gracia of course just the one win for them all season it'll be interesting to see where they turn I think Hewton would be probably the best available appointment at the moment but uh Yeah, they certainly didn't do themselves any favours with this stretch, uh, starting under Grassi and then finishing up of late under Kike Sanchez-Flores. All right, now we will end the managerial talk, kind of, because now we're going to talk about formations. I'm curious, uh, from each of your clubs, what formation are you currently using? Would you stick with it if you had your say? And which players do you find it helps and hurts the most?
2: Well, for Palace, it's quite easy. We play the lone striker role. We play generally we play two wingers off that which is uh, Wilf and Townsend for the most part and then we have you know a, a core midfield uh, group behind them and in front of the back line so you have a you have a four across the back and you have the midfield in front and that midfield is yeah, you know, for Palace, it's not it's not a particularly skillful midfield. Which yeah, uh, you, you touched on a the point there about who does it who does it hinder, um, and and it's easy to say it hinders the likes of Max Meyer and Victor Camarasa who just can't get in this side, and it's difficult to see them. You know the talents that they've got. It's difficult to see them getting into this Palace side at the moment because of the way that we play and and, and the players that we currently have, which don't vary a lot from week to week really, and unless we have an injury. If we were missing Will for Townsend. Then we have missed Townsend, but we haven't really replaced him with with another flair player. It's more to do with planning for the opposition you've got for the weekend. So if if it's perhaps too if it's too much to go with two wingers, uh, then you know Townsend gets sacrificed, and we bring in another midfielder um, to kind of combat the opposition. So so Wolf gets a bit more freedom to uh, to support the lone striker, which at the moment this season has been Ayu. So. Yeah, it, it doesn't like I say, it doesn't vary. Roy Hodgson's set in his own ways and we know how he sets things up in training. He works with the with the formation and with that team for the whole week and, and and unless there's any injuries in training, it doesn't really vary from that, which is which has done us fine, you know, which is which has done us good. And you know, while a lot of fans have kind of bemoaned some of our um, you know, tactics and and, and you know, some of the play not deemed to be exciting. You know, you, you've got players on this side who are exciting players. You've got Zaha, you've got Townsend, you, you've you've got Io on his day. Um, I have to say, io has been fantastic this season. To be honest, since he since he signed uh, a permanent deal with us in the summer, he wasn't great last year on his on his uh, year long loan, but he obviously did enough to for us to sign him on a permanent deal. And um, yeah, he's, he's doing well for us this year, and he's keeping Benteke out of the side, which uh, which is good. So yeah, from a, from a uh formation perspective that that is pretty much it i do feel for the likes of max meyer and victor Camarasa because i know Camarasa was great for cardiff in the premier league last year a lot of people have, have asked us the same question particularly cardiff fans just can't believe that he's not getting in the side but yeah, let's face it before the five games we had against the top sides in in the premier league then we were we were fifth sixth on the table we were doing all right so it's hard to argue what Roy was doing was was wrong. And, you know, without having the flair players of Meyer and Camarasa on the side, it's you know it's difficult to to question that. Obviously, had yeah, come out the other side of those five games. You know, we we've got a win against, win against Burnley, and again, you know, it's, it's the same it's the same thing. It's it's hard to question, uh, you know, the way that we play the style and it and it works. And you know, Zaha gets a fair amount of freedom whether he whether that's out wide or whether he cuts inside. He's he's got a fair amount of that. Um, if if Zaha wasn't playing, then the likely it is that you know Max or or, or Kamarasa would 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 get a shot. But I, just the way that we play, it's more likely that you know Roy brings in somebody like Schlapp or uh, or, or McCarthy into the middle rather than uh, you know sacrificing um, or or rather than um, trying one of those flair players. So it's yeah, the formation works for us. It works for the core of our uh, our fir- first team lineup, but. For any of those players trying to get into the side you know like max and kamarasa it, it hinders them big time and it's it's difficult to see them actually make it into that side unless the likes of wilf or townsend aren't playing so yeah that's that's pretty much how how, how roy does things and, and like i say it's hard to argue this season
3: yeah leicester's formation has been pretty solid um throughout i think Rogers has come in and established his best starting 11. Uh, obviously the winning runs helping with that it's easy not to change your winning team um, but we generally play a kind of variation on a 4-1-4-1 4-1, um, with the the flat back four, um, and then Wilfred and Diddy takes the kind of defensive duties more often than not, or the vast majority of them. Tielemans is good at helping out with that and kind of making it a 4-2-3-1 um, at times as well. But he, you know, I think what one thing we have tried to do certainly more since he signed um permanently is is getting forward because he's such a creative player uh and he and madison as a double pivot in central midfield is is you know fantastic in terms of creating chances um and then the two wingers have, have kind of nailed down their places so far of, of perez and and harvey barnes where which is great from an academy perspective obviously jamie vardy is the, the spearhead through the middle um It's effective because it allows us to be a little bit more fluid and we can drop another player like Telemans into midfield if we need to. Um, But it just seems to, you know, the one player I doubts about when we signed him was Perez because he was always that second striker at Newcastle. And yes, okay, he went wide on occasion, but he he isn't necessarily an out-and-out winger. He wants to probably play a bit more centrally, but he seems to have really found his feet in the last kind of four or five weeks. He he didn't start too well and obviously he had a big price tag um, around his neck, which always hinders players, I think, certainly when you, you join a new club and a lot's expected of you. Um, it's, it's one of those where he, he, I think, has probably had to rework his game a little bit, but you can already see the understanding that he's got with the likes of Tielemans and Vardy. Is fantastic and i think he's he's become a real asset now for the team he started scoring goals which is brilliant um so you're seeing a, a a very kind of obvious return on that but he's also being a bit more integrated into general kind of passing moves and he was one of the brighter sparks today you know against against everton before he, he did have to go off um, but he did have quite a lot of chances in the final third, probably more than anyone else in the first half. So he's kind of adapted to that quite well. It does hinder, I guess, the, the way that we play with one out-and-out striker is it does hinder any of the strikers in the squad because you're not going to get a start ahead of Jamie Vardy unless he's injured, which he rarely is. Um, so the likes of Kalichi um who, who wants to obviously play through the middle, um, have a tough time getting ahead of him. Um, because no matter how well you're playing and training, you're going to play the top goal scorer, Um and you're going to play the guy who's been that focal point and that threat for the last four or five years. Um, so it does hurt him, but ironically, that's probably our weak spot, because we don't, until today, unless as we've kind of previously discussed, that Acho steps up on a consistent basis. We don't really have another option other than throwing on more wingers. We tend to throw on Mark Albrighton or Damari Gray or both um, if we are struggling for a result. And so... I guess it kind of hurts them in a way because the other two guys are so uh, locked into their positions now that outside of cup games or maybe rotations at Christmas when it gets really busy and you've got three games in eight days, um, they're not going to get starts, which must be frustrating because how else do you prove yourself um, you know, other than on the field, but yeah, it's a pretty settled lineup at the moment, and you can kind of understand why and see why. I guess it makes it a lot easier as a selection decision if you have to let someone down and say, "Look, you're not going to start today." If you have just won six games in a row, it makes it easier to do that because I think even the most impatient of of players would understand that you don't want to change that winning formula. But maybe there'll be a few tweaks um, in the in the coming weeks with it, it being so hectic on the on the schedule front.
4: Uh, yeah, I have we are less settled in our formation <laughs> considering we just got a new manager. Oh. Um, uh, today we played four three three, so I guess that's kind of what I have to go off of. Um, but yeah, we played 4-3-3 with Lacazette up top, Ozil and Aubameyang wide. Uh, Xhaka was in behind uh, Guendouzi and Willock with uh, a back four and goalkeeper. Um, uh, again, I, I don't even, I, especially this being Lundberg's first uh, managerial job ever, um, I don't know if this is what he is trying to build around or if he's just trying to, you know, trying something. I really don't know. Um, uh, generally speaking, I would like Aubameyang up top, whether that means play two strikers with him and Lacazette or whether it means um, drop Lacazette. I don't know. which Whichever the manager prefers, just get Aubameyang up top, not wide. He's a much, much, much better player there. Um, I would like to play more of Pepe. Um yeah, there's there's a lot of things I would like to switch. Um, again, I have no idea what our current thing is because obviously our manager was our interim manager was appointed two days ago, and who knows how long he'll be in the job. Um, I guess if I had to choose, I'd probably naturally I general I generally like four two three one. Um, maybe it's just because Arsenal played for so long, but I do like it as a formation. Um, I guess I'd want a bombing up top, uh, Ozil in behind him with Pepe wide and. The last spot can be just kind of whoever's on form. Uh, then with a double pivot of probably Torreira and Guendouzi, though we haven't seen that a lot, so I don't know if it will actually work. Um, again, a lot of this is all abstract, because obviously. Um, as far as back four, I would like... Or Hector Bellerin was hurt, so he didn't play today. Um, but I would he's obviously our right back, and whether we play back three with wing backs or back four with uh, right backs, uh, I want him starting. Uh left back, I would like Tierney to come back into the side. Bo Klasnich played today. Um that seemed just like a managerial choice. So I guess that's Klasnic impressed in training. Uh it really doesn't matter if we play at center backs, all our center backs are pretty bad. So yeah, just play center backs, I guess. Uh and Leno's our goalie. Uh again, it's kind of a hard segment for me since uh the team is all weird, but that that's what I got.
1: Gotcha. Is there like an ideal way in your head to get Aubameyang and Lacazette on the pitch at the same time?
4: So last year I really liked the three, uh, the three, four, three. Um, but I don't think that works as well with uh Ramsey or enough of last year it would have been the um three, uh, three, five, two. Um, but I'm not sure if it works as well with Ramsey gone, uh, and Pep and Natalie Pepe. Um, so I really, well, I'm not sure if this would get. No, I think we could get them both, um, though I still think a better way would be... The 3-4-3 intrigues me a lot with um, Aubameyang up top and two people with Ozil and probably Ozil and Pepe behind him, which isn't both Lagazette and Aubameyang. uh, I really don't see a good way to do it now um, with Pepe because we want to play Pepe. um, I don't really see how we can fit all three of them without shoving um, Aubameyang wide. So No, I don't see a great way. Not great
1: gotcha well we can discuss that on a later show about whether that means one has to be sold in order for things to work out but for now we will take a quick break and then we'll be back with club specific questions for each of our guests
0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
1: All right, and we are back. Jay, coming to you now. There was an article about this on the Eagles Week written by yourself uh, about how Crystal Palace have a very nice run coming up in terms of opponents. You won't face a top 10 team until January what are your expectations yeah. for the team over that stretch? And where do you think you'll be in the table after it?
2: Expectations are a difficult thing, aren't they? Because <laughs> <laughs> they normally end up biting you on the backside. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's well it's well known that we we, we had another, you know, the, the, the hand that was dealt to us by the fixture computer was pretty tough. Yeah, going into that five games, we were actually sixth in the table and we were facing the five teams immediately above us over the next uh next five games and, and while it was tough we got a point from those five games and to be honest I think we you know the way we played in some of those games we deserved a bit more but you know um that's neither here nor there uh, the, the big question mark is whether we actually whether the the confidence would be affected and uh, and thankfully after after seeing us play at Burnley at the weekend very professional win uh from Palace and you know there's no lack of confidence there from any of the players which is which is really good to see um We've got that run of games now, which uh, which is much kinder. None of these games are easy in the Premier League. Let's let's not kid ourselves here. It's it, it's every game you play is difficult, and every every game is different. Every opponent is different. So, you know, while we've we've faced a top uh, a top five or six sides recently, it, it's it's very different uh, to facing you know the side. Uh, in and around you know, the bottom half of the table, uh, or or the rest of the 14 teams in the, in the Premier League, so it, it's going to be different. You know, we got we got a good result at Burnley. We took advantage of their uh, of their mistakes and, and their lustra play uh, yesterday, which uh, w- which you know was pleasing for us because that's something that uh, I think we haven't done a lot of before uh, in in capitalising on, on 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 the opposition mistakes. Uh, and we head into a game on Tuesday against Bournemouth, which you know, they're not in good form at the moment, uh, which, you know, it's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because, you know, teams may not be in good form, but that's got to change at some point. So I think we've got to be very wary of that. But, you know, the kind run kind of goes on after that where we play Watford uh, away. Then we play Brighton at home, which is obviously a big game for us. Um, and then we've got the likes of West Ham, Newcastle, New Year's Day. I think it's Norwich away. So, yeah, it is a kind of run. And it's, it's kind of run of games that, you know, we can we can start looking at the table, um, you know, pushing into top 10, and you know, if we carry on playing the way we have done against those top five, six sides, and you know, we, we don't get dragged into you know, games where, you know, we have to start, you know, digging in and fighting, which we can do, but I, I think we need to, you know, play our own game, which is exactly what we did yesterday. Um, you know, we could, we could pick out the points, I and mean, we've got 18 points already from 14 games, that's you know, that's pretty good for us at this stage of season, we're normally a second half of the season team. If if we can get to the twenty-five point stage by by the end of the year, then you know it, it, it's the same old cliche. You know, sides like us look to that forty-point barrier. You know, we've only got fifteen points to get. You know, from 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 January up through to May. You know, maybe just maybe that will allow us to you know take the FA Cup seriously and and maybe have a have a go at that if you know, if we get a kind draw in the third round and kind of push from there. You know, without having to you know having the added pressure of uh, having to get more points. Uh, in that second half of the season, and then you know perhaps that literally opens a, another door for us, perhaps. But uh, but yeah, I think the key is for us to to get to that twenty five point mark by end of the year. That would be fantastic. You know, five, what's that seven points we need from from the next uh, six games in December? Which is, it, it sounds like something that we should be able to do, but, you know, we, we know what football's like. Um, but I think we just need to do what we've been doing recently, carry on doing that, and, and we should be able to get there by end of the year. If we can get more than 25 points by end of the year, then we'll, then we'll be flying and we can start looking, uh, looking for a top 10 finish, which for this season would be fantastic. After the summer that we had, I'm just a bit dubious about January and what happens in January after what happened to us in the summer uh, or what didn't happen in the end but obviously caused a, uh, a few issues at the start of the season so we'll see what happens then but uh, yeah I fingers I'm, I'm I'm quietly confident that we can pick up some good points uh, over the next month
1: yeah like you say it is certainly a healthy run you can't win all of them probably but yeah as long as you as long as you poise yourself for a good second half of the season I think exactly you do yourselves very well and I don't think you're going to fall into the relegation zone so Hopefully you'll be looking forward rather than over your shoulder. All right, Jim, coming to you now to talk a little bit about, about Lester. First of all, congratulations on the comeback win today. Also condolences to Marco Silva, who surely has lost his job now um, after that result. But I want to talk about the wing backs. Chill not covering himself in glory with the uh Uh, some would say (laughs) dive in the penalty area today but it's pretty inarguable that with his development and the purchase and development of Pereira that you probably have the second best pair of wing backs in the Premier League right now just how influential has that been for your side
3: yeah it's been massive um I think Ricardo Pereira continues to be one of the most underrated players in the Premier League um he is an absolute weapon in the sense that he's essentially a winger playing as a fullback. So he has such good attacking instincts and you see that with shots on target and assists so often that he's just so versatile and yet he doesn't, he's not big in stature. You know he he's not kind of physically imposing but he's still really really good at putting himself in the right position to make tackles when he needs to it's not like he he i suppose he is a modern fullback in the sense that he's much more attack-minded than he is defensive but at the same time it's really really um encouraging to see him getting forward and contributing in the final third i think chilwell almost can learn a lot from pereira because he's a lot closer to the finished article um he is going to have hit and miss games. I feel like I've been saying this about you, well for the last two or three years, <laughs> since he broke into the team basically and nailed down that left spot, uh, left back spot as his own. You are going to get inconsistency in with younger players, um, and with the good, you've got to come the come the bad. But I mean, if you include his England performances before today, I guess he he's had a really really good run of um, assists um, and goals. Um, for both the national side and, the you know, domestically for Leicester. So I don't think we can be too disappointed with today. I think he, as you said, he didn't cover himself in glory with the, the penalty incident. Um, but it's a difficult one because he almost looks to be a kind of trying to avoid contact, which makes it look worse, especially in slow motion because people are a lot more likely to call it a, a dive. Um, but also he was caught, quite out of position for the opening goal as well for Richarlison. He was kind of stuck between two options, whether to close down the man or whether to, to go to Iwobi, who eventually got the ball. And he kind of did neither. Um, so that left Iwobi in quite a lot of space. Um, and he could, you know, put in a good ball for Richarlison to put Everton ahead. So we do, I, I would agree with that. I think behind Liverpool's uh, two, um, we probably do have the most exciting set of fullbacks. And I, Would be amazed if someone didn't test our resolve with regards to Pereira quite soon, because I thought as soon as he came in, really, that, you know, we were going to face a tough time to hold on to him um, in the long run because of how effective he is. Um, especially in the final third, because that's exactly what teams want now. Obviously, defence is important, but if you can get a defender that contributes goals and assists on a regular basis, that is just going to be such a valuable commodity in the modern day and age and the way the teams play. that I would be amazed if someone didn't come in for a bid for him um relatively soon but again we don't have to sell Uh, i think we can probably demand kind of top top dollar for him um so it would be interesting and Chilwell is always going to be subject to quite a lot of interest because he's young and he's english so it kind of falls into the the harry maguire mold of you know if someone does need a left back i know he's previously been linked quite heavily to liverpool and to Tottenham as well um Mm. so it doesn't surprise me that those teams are not necessarily now but you know those that calibre of team, shall we say, um, are in the mix. But he's still got a lot of work to do. But again, that's maybe where Pereira comes in. You know, he's still very one-footed Chilwell as well. Um, He doesn't really have much of a right foot, um, which is important in developing that, particularly if you're looking to cut inside a lot uh, like he does. So it's... um, yeah, it's a really, really exciting time to watch them because as a pair, you know, they contribute so much um, both defensively and in the final third, which is fantastic to watch. And, you know, we we're just, we're just enjoying having them right now. I think that's the kind of overall mentality for me and a lot of Leicester fans. You know, you enjoy this team right now because you know that as a club of the size that we are, of course, we can demand big money for our uh, better players like we did with Maguire, but I'm not silly enough to believe that, you know, bigger bigger things don't await some of them Um, and Pereira certainly is one of those
1: yeah Tottenham showed interest in both of those players one when they were in your youth academy (laughs) the other when he was at Porto just never lined up in a your pair are better than ours now, so definitely, <laughs> definitely a bit jealous on that front. Uh, coming to you now, Dan, about Arsenal. Uh, obviously, you talked about the Emery exit at the top of the show. I'm curious what you're looking for in your next manager. You can name names if you want, but if you're thinking like philosophies or things like that, like style of football, what do you
4: want for Arsenal next post Emery? Uh, well, this is not just to be mean, but the guy I want is Pochettino um funnily enough (laughs) yeah uh um we'll see if i i do not expect that to happen but that'd be nice um i i'm not really resigned to a specific philosophy i don't i don't need really attacking football if it's defensive that's fine um as boring as it is i really just want someone who's good at their job um that would be an improvement um uh, we, have, I'm sure there's a list, um, but the, the lists for better, or for worse, the list coming out of Arsenal seem to be all kinds of different managers. So they don't know what they want either, which is a much bigger problem than me. Not really knowing what I want. Um, <laughs> True. cause I'm a fan. Um, I'm not running the club. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm open to kind of all styles, all philosophies of manager. Um, it's not really, I'm not that bothered, uh, generally, um, just that they really are, <laughs> Really good. Uh, I guess one interesting breaking point to show where where I you know don't want um, is the links to Nuno are concerning. Um, just because I kind of think he's a slightly better version of Emery. More I think he's a better manager, but I more in the fact that like he his Wolves teams are extremely defensive, and there's only so far that approach can take you for the most part. Um, and I'm not sure the approach lines up the players we currently have. Um, considering if he plays with back three, that's probably oh oh my god! Imagine a back three: Socrates, David Luis, and Mustafi. <laughs> um, but it would just be I, it would not work, and I I'm concerned they will try and they overcorrected from Wenger, um, where he was super attacking, uh, not great in big games, all that. So they tried to overcorrect, and I kind of fear they're gonna go. They're going to continue with that overcorrection and try and go with like a better version of Emery as opposed to uh, someone who is a bit more either experienced and experienced at the top level um, in, defensively or just more of a progressive manager.
1: Gotcha. Well, good luck finding that uh, ID out in the open market and I hate to burst your bubble. It's it's not going to be Pochettino. Tottenham fans have said that before about players that were <laughs> and managers that were on freeze, but don't think it's going to happen, especially yeah, with his rejection of uh, Barcelona because of his Espanol links. And he was here longer, well, as a manager at least. But anyway, good luck to you, unless it's that, in which case, all of the worst luck to you. Um, <laughs> we will head next into Player Watch, where, with it being December 1st, as we record, we are now just a month away from the opening of the winter window. Uh, which positions do you think your clubs will most need to address come January? Jay, I have a sense it might be up front. <laughs>
2: what gives you that idea? Um,
1: yeah, I mean to be honest,
2: Jordan has done a great job um, for us, and the way that we play, um, it, it doesn't always kind of lend to the to the lone striker getting loads of goals. It, it, you know, we kind of share the goals, which um, you know when we scored them. As, as you alluded to earlier, you know we scored two goals yesterday, which doesn't happen a lot. You know, a lot. Um, yeah, it's got to be a striker role. We, I mean, Connor Wickham is he's on the fringes of, of a return to the bench he, he, he's had a couple of uh, uh a couple of games where he's been been on the bench but to be honest i think it, he needs a clean break he needs a fresh start somewhere else uh, i love the guy to bits and i really wanted to succeed at palace and always felt like he's the striker that we needed but the amount of injuries the guys had i i just think he needs to step down to the championship perhaps and and just get his confidence back and scoring goals getting regular first team football he's just not going to get out of palace Benteke is a is a different story. He's a he's a shadow of his former self, really. Um, however, saying that, when he came on against Liverpool last weekend, he looked a different player. He got two goals for Belgium in, uh, over the international break, and came on for that last 20 minutes and really gave us some impetus and and um, was key to to getting an equalising goal and uh, and was involved in um, the chance that Wilf had late on as well. So. You know, we do have two strikes that we can call upon. Um, ben Teke doesn't score, <laughs> unfortunately. We 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 so want him to get that goal because I think that will give him, the, the, you know, the, the, doing the world of good and give him a lot of confidence back. Um, whether he's ever going to be that 17-goal striker that he, that he was when he first came to Palace and that, that first season is, is, is questionable. We don't think he will be that player again. Um, Jordan Ayew would never score loads of goals. However, he is our top scorer this season. He has scored goals, uh, put the ball in it yesterday, but it was uh, offside, uh, called off, brought back for offside, um, and and he's made the the, the lone striker role his own. So it's going to be difficult for Ben Teke to get back in. Uh, we do need something else, something different up front. Some, you know, well, I would, I'll probably look for the for the championship and and, and give some of these exciting strikers and championship, you know, uh, an opportunity to play in the Premier League and. Uh, and show what they can do. I, I think that's probably our, our best option. We do have Alexander Saurloth out on loan at Trabzonspor, who who has been hitting hitting the goal trail a lot since he joined the Turkish side. And obviously, different level of football, you know, the Turkish division compared to the Premier League. But he's scoring goals, so you know we know what that's like for strikers. If a striker, if a striker goes somewhere and scores goals, it becomes a habit um, in whatever league it is, whether it's uh, you know easier league or not. Um, so whether there's a view that. I don't think he will come back in in, in January. It's, it's a season on loan, so we'll probably see him back in in um, in the summer. But Charles I know uh, want to do a deal for him in January, so we, we may not actually see him come back. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's an area we need to look at. Um, elsewhere, I, I don't think we've got too many problems. I mean, uh, the only one is probably right back. You know, we've never replaced Aaron Wembasaqa after selling him to United in the summer, and to be fair to Joel Ward we haven't really missed uh, Wambsacker at all because Joel Ward has come back into the side I mean this is the guy who who lost his place to Wambsacker when he got injured and and Wan-Bissaka never looked back uh, after he made his debut for Palace and Joel Ward just never 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 got back in the side um obviously is a better right back but he's come back into the side this, this season and you know we we it, He's played so well that we haven't we haven't really missed uh, Wamba Sakwa at all. Uh, you know, two different types of right backs, but uh, we do need some backup for him. Whether that's going to happen in January, I'm not sure. We do have Martin Kelly, but Martin Kelly is just not is just not built to be a fullback. Uh, we do slot him in there. He played there yesterday against Burnley, but he's he's, he's too big and cumbersome to be a. He's a very good centre back, and to be honest, at the moment, I would make him our uh, centre-back pairing with Kelly, because they've they, they've had a really good rapport together, uh, Cahill and uh, and Kelly, uh, in the back line. Uh, although that's probably harsh on Tompkins, who's been very good, and obviously Mamadou Sakho's come back, so we've we've got so many choices at the centre-back. So, um, yeah, I think, and the other option is to perhaps start looking ahead um, to life without Wilf. Um, you know, that's going to leave a massive void in our team. Uh, And it will change a lot of things that we that we currently do and and, and the way we play. So that's probably one more for the summer. But whether or not Wilf goes in January, it's probably unlikely because it it tends to be that clubs don't spend the huge amount of money that we're looking for for Wilf, uh, particularly in January. Uh, get the feeling that there's potential for him to go to Chelsea in the summer but uh, but we'll see um, so yeah that, that, that's another option that we've got to start looking uh, towards life about Wilf but I think the striking option is probably the best one and perhaps a right back
3: Yeah I kind of hate to echo um, Jerry's thoughts there with Leicester but it is really really difficult to pick holes in what we need at the moment because we've been really look we've been really lucky with injuries um it's worth saying, so a lot of the first choice team well everybody in the first choice team has basically been healthy for the vast majority of the season uh which is really helpful because we've not had to worry about replacing those um starting eleven too often um the one area I would have said before around six thirty u k time today would be a second striker. Um, to support Vardy because as the uh, fixture load increases there's obviously an increase of injury and you know rotation that kind of thing um, even if it's just from like a cup perspective obviously Perez can play through the middle as well but now he's kind of established himself as one of the wide options I don't see him getting too much rest time either um, and then Kalichi Iannaccio steps up today with a goal and an assist and um, so it would be interesting to see if he makes a more uh, concerted kind of run even from the bench because he's just he's barely made a squad essentially this year i think brennan rogers said not the only reason but he was asked about this post game and he said that Damari gray's illness meant that enacher was on the bench so you know maybe it's a twist of fate on that on that side that an illness that you weren't expecting means that he gets spot on the bench the game state of being one nil down means that he comes on and then he makes such an impression that he kind of not guarantees himself a few games but he certainly goes way up in the estimations of the manager and the fans and you know it was really relentlessly negative about him um recently and kind of since he started essentially he didn't he hasn't ever really done a lot for Leicester um which considering the money that we paid him uh, that we paid for him and the money that we continue to pay him in terms of wages um is is a problem so i think basically we're quite well set we might look at some some backup depth i guess maybe centre back uh with Wes Morgan getting a little bit older having lost maguire and not bought anyone in um we might look at another centre back but we do have uh benkovic who just seems to have dropped off the radar since he came back from some Celtic on loan, um, obviously, work with Rogers there. Um, and we do have Wes Morgan as well, but he's not a reliable kind of centre back option for very much longer, uh, arguably now, let alone in the future. So potentially looking at acquiring someone young that we could develop in the same way that we developed Chu uh, behind Maguire. Um, should anybody, you know, come for uh, what? Uh, Johnny Evans isn't going to move, probably. But if S- Chu uh, attracts some in- uh, interest, then, you know, it would be good to get another one on the production line of centre-backs. But, yeah, it's, it's difficult to pick holes in the Leicester roster at the moment because of how well set we are
4: um yeah i i don't really expect to buy anyone that could change but at the moment i do not expect to buy anyone in january but the obvious position of need at arsenal is center back um we have lots of them just none of them are any good um from david louise to scudron mustafi to um socrates to callum chambers to rob holding i'm not sure any of them are good um and we do have uh, William Saliba coming back from loan at the end of this season, um, so that that's kind of one in the books for next season uh, as a center back. But eventually, we'll we will likely need a second, unless Callum Chambers or Rob Holding really really take a step that I do not expect them to take. Um, again, I don't really expect that to happen this window. Um, but yeah. if I'm looking at a specific position, that'd be it.
1: Gotcha. All right. Well, that will wrap things up for us today. We were going to preview uh, the coming matches midweek, but we'll probably just be wrong by then anyway. (laughs) We are out of time. So if you guys would like to tell the folks where they could find you or anything you're working on, now would be a good time. Yeah thanks for
2: listening um just give us a follow at the eagles beak on instagram and twitter and also Meridian sports show at the meridian ss on instagram and twitter as well they're both my projects so uh, head on over interact give us a shout we'd love to hear from you
3: Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, I'm on Twitter at gymnite tweets, not gymnite88. As I said earlier, I've changed my handle and it's still <laughs> not stuck in my head. Um, I'm also editor of a site called Premier League Press.com um, where we do betting analysis mostly for Premier League games, but not exclusively. So there's uh, some other stuff there in terms of news and uh, betting related stories as well. So if that's your thing, then yeah, check us out, Premier League Press.com.
4: And yeah, I'm still Dan, still an Arsenal fan, and you can still get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. which is mostly a dog-based account. From- it's ba- especially, and if our defense continues <laughs> to be bad, it will continue to be that way. <laughs> so you should not, no one should want us to buy a center back
1: yeah right because the goals of course equal dog pictures on dan's twitter yes
4: goals conceded equal dog pictures so none of you should want me to want us to buy a center back
1: (laughs) dan's pain yeah dan's pain brings all of us joy in that regard hopefully not too many others but thanks you guys so much for coming on today it was a pleasure as always and we hope you keep listening